And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Thol, and I'm joined again by Electrex Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. So we have got a pile of new electric bike stories, as well as a bit of electric motorcycle and even an electric boat to talk about today. So uh, let's just do a, a quick rundown of what we have on the list here. Looks like we've got some new electric bike charging stations that have been installed in the U.S., We're going to be looking at uh, some new electric bike carbon belt drivetrains from Gates. We've got an awesome review that Seth just did on Luna's new low-cost folding fat tire electric bike. The uh, United States Postal Service is testing out electric bike mail delivery. We've got a new seated electric scooter from a pretty interesting company. Energica just unveiled a new electric motorcycle model. And we'll also be talking about a couple other sort of uh, non-e-bike but still interesting vehicles, including that flying electric water taxi and a pretty cool three-wheeled electric trike from China. So where are we starting off today, Seth? All right. Uh, The electric bike charging stations installed in the West Coast Electric Highway. So uh, if you're not familiar, the West Coast Electric Highway is essentially a series of uh, electric car chargers or what used to be just electric car chargers installed along uh, several different highways on the West Coast. But we've got some uh, pretty exciting news that a section of this highway is now going to have electric bike chargers. And uh, that's a pretty big deal because we haven't really seen sort of this public access to electric bike chargers before. But in Oregon, they're installing at uh, about 40 uh, or or almost 50, I think, even electric charging stations, these 120 volt plugs that anyone that has an electric bike and their charger with them will simply be able to roll up and plug into. And I guess you could probably plug in your phone or your blender or anything else that (laughs) runs off of uh, 120 volts there. But for the most part, this is really meant for micromobility. So for e-bikes, that's great, but also, you know, electric scooters, uh, one wheels, all all sorts of just small electric vehicles that the charger itself is slightly larger than pocket sized and you can actually bring with you. And now there's somewhere to to plug in. I know for for myself, when I've done some longer road trips on e-bikes, it's been a bit tricky to find a you know, available plug, not even a free plug in terms of free charging, but just, you know, anywhere that you can find a plug to plug into. I've had to uh, roll up to gas stations and plug in where the ice machine is plugged in before. Sometimes you can get, you know, creative and and find uh, other sort of public infrastructure that's been plugged in. And we often call that gorilla charging. Uh, If it's at a business, I'll try to go in and buy something, you know, so at least, you know, I buy a soda and then I uh, have sort of paid for a bit of their electricity. Not that, you know, it costs more than probably 10 cents or so right. to fill up there. But I mean, that's that's the point. Um, so, you know, having these sort of public access to chargers for e-bikes, it's definitely a new thing. And I think it's going to be a big deal for riders that are definitely out there doing, you know, longer road trips. What do you think, Seth? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, you, you just need a 110 or I guess 120, uh, depending where you are at really isn't a huge, you know, ass, especially at, at these huge charging stations where they've got a lot of uh, juice going in. Um, and, you know, frankly, they could probably go around and find some, you know, like a cafe or, you know, like you said, a gas station and say, hey, uh, we'd like to put you on the map. All you have to do is make available a 110 uh, outlet for, you know, just, I mean, you, you can see from the picture, 
Um, it's just it, you know, a 110 outlet, although there's that little line across, which means I think you can get 20 amps out of that. Not yeah, that I mean, real familiar with those. Yeah. The, uh, so I guess you could get, let's see, two kilowatts. Yeah. Two kilowatts out of there. Um, you know, the, the that starts to get up to the, the, the bigger bikes, I guess. Uh, you could maybe charge a, uh, an Onyx racer or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it seems so easy. Like why not just say, you know, make a, make a, uh, contract or something and say, Hey, we want to put you on our electric bike map. All you have to do is promise to let somebody use your 110 volt outlet. And even if somebody just sucking down electricity all day there, it's not going to be like a dollar, you know, and a dollar gets you, you know, somebody who's going to be theoretically, uh, you know, if it's a restaurant, eating at your restaurant, or if it's a store shopping at your store. So I don't know. It seems like a pretty, pretty easy thing to do, um, especially with the the low cost aspect of it. Yeah. And these days it's, it's just such a requirement in cities where, you know, e-bikes used to be sort of an oddity that you'd see once in a while. But but now these days there are so many of them everywhere. And when you're out there riding all day, especially like, you know, delivery riders, that sort of thing to just be able to plug in for 20 minutes and get a bit of a charge. It's, it's going to be such a big benefit. Yeah. And where it makes the most sense, I think, is those like trail cafes or, you know, cafes along bike paths. Um, those things it's like kind of a no brainer to set something up like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into the comments too early, but, um, uh, Carlin in San Diego's, uh, concerned about safety. I guess that's something, you know, if they could put like a camera on there or, you know, a lock locked area or something, because I guess somebody would steal a 20, $30 charger if it's in the wrong area. Yeah, maybe you could lock it to your bike somehow. Um, right, that's probably what I would do if I was going to walk away. But it would be kind of nice. More, if, it would be kind of nice if they uh, standardized the bike charging plug. Like, there's like the barrel charger that I think a lot of companies use. You know, the 48 volt, uh, and then there's you know a lot of those three prong ones that I see yeah. around. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we could ever get to standardized plugs, I mean, I, I think, you know, we've, we've talked about your dream is the USB-C, so that yep. would be wonderful. Yeah. One All day. right. One day, one day. All right. Uh, next up, uh, Gates unveils its next-gen carbon belt drives for bicycles and electric bikes. Yeah, so Gates, for anyone who isn't familiar, is probably the leader in uh, bicycle belt drivetrains. There are some other companies out there, but it's kind of like, you know, Ziploc bags. Gates is just kind of like the name that comes to mind when you think of belt drives. And part of that is because they just have so many interesting solutions for for different types of bikes. And they do, you know, all sorts of power transmission, not just uh, bicycles, but um, for, for bikes and e-bikes, especially where you've got a lot of power being applied through that drivetrain, especially more than, um, you know, a typical human rider is, is going to be putting out, using these high power uh, power transmission belts has really proven to have a lot of advantages. And so um, when you combine things like, uh, you know, lower maintenance, quieter riding, that sort of thing, and then you add in these new developments that they've come out with. Gates is really doing a good job of sort of staying at the, the forefront of the industry here. These, uh, these new products they just released, they go in a couple of directions. So 
Uh, generally, Gates has been on the sort of more premium end, and that usually means that you're going to find them on mid-drive e-bikes. Just because of the the added cost of, of a nice system like these carbon belts, you're usually not going to find them on the lower cost uh, hub motor bikes, though it's a bit of foreshadowing for uh, a few minutes from now. <laughs> but um, so one of the uh, the lines that they've updated here is one of their more powerful e-bike lines, and it's designed for those mid-drive motors that, that really put out a lot of power. But interestingly, they've also come out with uh, updates to a new line that's really meant for hub motor bikes or even just uh, pedal bikes, something that's not going to have that crazy torque of a mid-drive motor. And so what that tells me is that Gates is not only expanding on the premium end, but they're trying to break into the sort of mid-level e-bikes as well. You know, probably not going to see these on sub $1,000 e-bikes. The few belt drive e-bikes we've seen under 1000 bucks generally use other brands, usually no name, probably just some random Chinese factory making a, a belt drive setup. But it could be that we start to see more of these belt drives on hub motor bikes and, and bikes that aren't quite as premium as we'd normally find a Gates carbon drive on. Um, I don't want to give away Seth's next story, but uh, what do you think about that, Seth? You think we're going to see more of these uh, yeah. in sort of more diverse applications? Yeah, it's 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 for sure that they're going down market here, and that's great. Um you know the the belt drive is is a benefit in a lot of ways. Obviously, it's lighter uh, than a chain. Um, it's quieter and it lasts a lot longer. It can handle way more torque. Um, I mean, these are the similar belts that are on like uh, you know Harley's and stuffs. Not not the same, but similar. So I mean, you're never gonna you know torque out of a a Gates belt belt uh, drive versus um, chains, which, you know, when you're switching gears or whatever. Um, the other thing is like, you have to have an internal hub with these. So those, that development is kind of moving along. Uh, we're starting to see some less expensive internal geared hubs as well as, um, the other thing about a Gates belt is that, um, you either need to break, break the triangle in the back or, um, you know, (laughs) I guess build around it. Um, to get the belt, you know, inside the back triangle, but outside um, on the other one. Um, there was another company, I can't remember the name of it, um, that had a belt that uh, you could actually take take off, you know, like s- split it open like a chain. Um, but, you know, there was like a Kickstarter kind of thing. Um, so I was kind of wondering if Gates was going to get into that game as well. Um, so you didn't have to break the back triangle. But yeah, I've seen them innovating, but not not that far yet. Um, Mm -hmm. One thing that they did roll out this time was a new tensioning device so that um, you could actually use their drives on full suspension bikes. So like on a mountain bike where that chain length would be, you know, changing normally when the suspension is active. So for for a uh, belt drive conversion or, if you know, an, an OEM wanted to build a belt drive mountain bike with full suspension they would be able to do that with a new tensioner they didn't have any photos of that yet and we've seen companies sort of build their own tensioners in the past but i think gates is trying to encourage companies to like keep it within the gates ecosystem and you know partner with them on those designs yeah i wonder if you could uh with the tensioner theoretically like have gears probably not we're not there yet yeah i could see one day potentially them 
them developing something. Um, it, it gets a little complicated with wear issues then, I think. Right. It's sort of one of the big advantages of, of Gates is that because you're not moving it side to side, they can basically last, not forever, but for you know tens of thousands of miles. Right, forever in bike terms. Exactly. I probably outlive a lot of people's bikes. Right, when people... All right, uh, moving along. Uh, good segue to the uh, Luna Eclipse, full suspension, fat tire, foldable BMX e-bike. So a lot of stuff in there. Um, and it's priced under 1400 So uh, this was a review I did. Um, and, you know, we, we saw this bike. Uh, uh, Eric Hicks, the uh, founder of Luna's, uh, active on Facebook. And I think it's called the Fast E-Bike uh, Group. And we saw him kind of hinting at this for a while. Um, and he was like, hey, this is going to be a lot better than, you know, the, the Juiced Scorpions and the Super 73s of the world. Um, you know, I don't know about that, but, um, it's a lot lighter. Uh, so, you know, when I, when I saw this bike at first, I was like, oh, this is a lot of things. Like it's got rear suspension. It's got, you know, front and rear suspension. It's foldable. Um, it's got fat tires. It's light at 55 pounds. Um, it's got kind of a BMX look. And somebody in the comments was like, I've been BMX biking for 50 years. And, that is not a BMX bike. And I'm like, yes, I know. I know that's, <laughs> it's not a BMX bike. It, it's heavier. And like for a hundred reasons, it's not a BMX bike, but it kind of looks <laughs> a little bit like one. It's got like, the proportions. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, for me, I was like, oh, this is something totally new and crazy. And then of course the commenters are, are like, oh, that looks like an Enki Billy bike. And I was like, oh, you know, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that's exactly an Enki Billy. And then somebody else was like, yeah, I think uh, Swagtron copied the Yankee Billy with the EB8. And I was like, what? And I looked at that, and yeah, that's the same, you know, same look. Uh, what, what's, you know, uh, Eric Hicks and the Luna team are great at is kind of taking a, taking a form factor and kind of just, you know, amping everything up and then at the same time um, bringing the price down. So, you know, the Yankee Billy, I think, is 2500 bucks that this is over a thousand dollars less than that. Um, and I, I think the motor, uh, you know, another thing Luna is famous for is like, uh, jacking the, the power out of a, a, a motor with a, you know, a, a controller that they've, they've toyed with and, you know, they've done a great job here. Um, I, I've gone up a lot of Hills, never overheated on this particular bike. Um, so, you know, you, you get a more powerful, bike i think better components uh maybe better uh shocks um the the brakes aren't so the brakes are mechanical um i think yankee billy had hydraulic i know the uh swagtron didn't have uh better parts but i think you know that one was going for like uh a thousand bucks or something so this is kind of the sweet spot it's a great bike it's balanced really well i mean i would I would say maybe they could have went with like metal pedals. Um, the brakes are a unique. Um, you can kind of see the uh, the handlebars there. Um, a yeah, do bit. they feel different? I was looking at the the brake levers there. Uh, a little bit different. They're not. It's not a big deal. Um, the uh, what I didn't like is I you know I prefer kind of a thumb throttle. Um, this is like a, a the whole handlebar twist. And like, you know, you turn the bike on and it's whatever, whatever setting you're in, as long as it's on, 
uh, if you twist the throttle, it goes and it go, you know, it really goes. And so like if the bike is on and you're like, you know, pulling out of your garage and you accidentally twist the throttle a little bit, it like, you know, it's gone. <laughs> yeah. So, for that reason, we haven't seen full twists in such a long time. That's an interesting choice. Yeah. But I mean, once you're on the bike, it's fine. It's fun. Um, yeah, there's the Tetro brakes there. Um, I, I did have to tighten those a little bit after a couple days, which is normal as the bike gets uh, settled into. Um, what else? Uh, so the motor is a, you know, it's labeled a 500 watt. Um, this is typical Luna. Um, they put a double the amps controller. So it's 48 <laughs> volts, 21 amp controller. So that's just over a thousand watts. Uh, power and you can feel it like right away. It's, it's definitely not a 500 watt motor. Um, you can almost do a wheelie. Um, the, the, you know, the downside, I mean, so we talked previously about a Gates belt drive. This has a great, you know, seat. I think it's called a CTX. Um, it's a great, uh, setup until you start getting to like 20 miles per hour. And because there's no gear set on here, um, you're basically your legs just start, you know, flying. And, uh, <laughs> once you get to 20 miles per hour, uh, you're not pedaling anymore. It just, it's too hard. And then this thing tops out at 25 miles per hour. So basically anything from like 18 to 20 miles per hour and up it's throttle only, which, you know, that's fine, but you know, I, I typically enjoy pedaling. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a trade off there. Like, uh, putting a geared system on there would, would have really uh, jacked the price up. What are your thoughts on here? So my biggest question is how does the suspension feel? Because for at this price, full suspension is so rare and it is a simplified suspension setup. You know, it's like direct suspension with no mm -hmm. linkage, but you know, if it feels fine, then 1500 bucks, that's, that's fine. What, what were your thoughts on the suspension? So the front suspension is actually quite nice. Um, there's four inches of travel, um, and it's, it's not, you know, it's just a spring. It's not, uh, there's no air going on or whatever. And you can lock it out. The rear suspension, I have to say is pretty, you know, lackluster. It's, uh, it kind of just, you know, if you bounce hard on it, it'll make it do some movement. And I tried to loosen it up a little bit, but it was still just like kind of rock hard. So I don't know. Uh, you know, for me, I, I think uh, you could replace that suspension with a more expensive thing if that was, if the soft back was your thing. But you're already, you're you're already on fat tire, fat tires. I don't know. It didn't seem like it seemed like a fine uh, setup, especially for fourteen hundred bucks. Yeah, and that's a good point. That you know, like you're saving so much money elsewhere that if you really want nice rear suspension, you can always you know spend a couple extra hundred bucks and pop in a nice shock with good damping, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I have to say like all, to, like, you know, we've got a bunch of bikes here, uh, e-bikes here and everybody kind of wants to ride this thing. Um, so it's, it, it's kind of past the test really. And it, you know, all, all the parts are solid. Um, and the, actually I don't have any good display pictures, maybe in the video. Um, but the display is really nice as well. It's it's big and it's um, you know easy to, easy to read and uh, you, you know exactly if your power is cutting out or you know, whatever. You know if you're at 25 miles per hour, and that's that's the other weird thing. Like Luna chose to cut the power out at 25 
which is above class one or two and below class three. Uh, so it's like, you know, class 2.5 or something. <laughs> I don't know what you call that. But, yeah. Uh, every now and again, we see those sort of like mid-level, they don't go all the way to 28 miles an hour, but like they go to 24, 25. I wonder if it's just the native limit of that motor. Probably. So, it's probably you know. something like that. Yeah, I think for most people, though, you know, the difference between 20 to 25 is, is going to feel like a lot. That last three miles an hour, it would be nice. But I think once you pass 20, you're really feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I had I got it going downhill at like 45 miles per hour and it, things started feeling really not not good. So <laughs> I think I think 25 miles per hour is a great speed for this bike. It's it's very safe, very stable. It feels great. Um so, you know, maybe at 28, things start getting weird, but great bike overall. And, and good news. Um, I have another Luna bike, uh, that I'm reviewing, which I'm excited about the, uh, X2 with the ludicrous controller, um, which is kind of controversial and we're trying to figure out exactly, uh, you know, if, if, if it's overheating, it's my fault or, or the world's fault or what. So, uh, stay tuned for that. Yeah, All right. Pushing the envelope. <laughs> pushing the envelope for sure. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, USPS, uh, United States Post Office, already testing mail delivery by electric bike with these neat little U.S. built mail bikes. Yeah, it's funny because a few weeks ago I wrote a bit of an opinion piece kind of scathing the USPS for not looking at electric cargo bikes as part of the overall mail delivery solution because in a lot of Europe, that's like one of the main mail delivery solutions. And then um, we heard from Coaster Cycles that, in fact, they have been trialing electric bikes for mail delivery. And this U.S. company has built a number of them that are being tested right now in Miami. So what you can see on the screen there are a few of the different designs. They're basically electric tricycles, and they've got big cargo boxes on the back. They've got a, a couple different styles of cargo boxes that they're testing. And these run on Bosch mid-drive systems. So you've got like a pretty standard mid-drive motor, batteries. It's funny that they only have one battery, but I guess you could, you know, carry a few batteries with you and swap them in. But also these are not throttle uh, cargo e-bikes. They're pedal assist. So even though there's only one battery and it's a big, heavy bike, you're probably going to get some pretty decent range because the rider is pedaling along and adding some of their own assist. But essentially these are going to help replace big uh, mail trucks or um, even, you know, the little guys, though the, the new electric mail trucks we've been seeing are certainly much bigger. And in tight urban areas where a mail truck would take up a significant portion of the road, or especially like on city streets where sometimes you'll see delivery vehicles parked in the bike lane, that sort of thing, having a smaller vehicle that can actually navigate small streets, alleyways, even park on the sidewalk if the sidewalks are you know wide enough and they don't get in the way of people or wheelchairs or anything then this could actually be a, a quite useful solution for those types of areas we, we often hear when we show these things uh comments from people saying oh this wouldn't work in my town or you know i live like 20 miles from the nearest mail depot and like all right fine you guys need a truck right in, in some cases a truck is overkill and so to see that the usps is already trialing these things and by all accounts, they're working great. Gives me some some really good hope. Um, Seth, have you ever tried these these bigger uh, cargo trikes before? Yeah, I mean, not not this exactly, but I think at uh, Eurobike and um, I, I feel like the, uh, 
Chris Nolte at uh, Propel had one of these similar bikes at his shop one time that I drove around. Yeah, you um, think these could work? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, it's got to be a dense environment. Um, you know, this bike probably goes like 10 miles or 20 miles a day at the most. Um, you know, the container in the back, uh, that's probably something similar to a small, uh, you know, small trucks, uh, storage. So, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I you know, I wonder like, are the drivers fit enough to pedal? I don't know. I mean, with the pedal assist and the Bosch system, it's pretty, pretty easy, but you know, is that a workman's comp kind of thing? If you hurt your <laughs> leg or whatever, you can't pedal. There's all these like little questions, but for the most part, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I guess if you're not fit enough, then you get fit pretty quickly. Or if you're borderline, right. you, you become fit quickly. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is like, you can park these things like up on a sidewalk versus, you know, a truck where you're, you're not going to want to do that. Um, you could like, you could ride this up in somebody's front lawn if you wanted to. I mean, I don't think anybody would care that much. Um, versus, you know, mail trucks, you can't really do something like that. So there's a lot of advantages. I know in New York city, our, the UPS driver used to just get a ticket every day parking (laughs) and they would just, UPS would just pay the tickets. Like that was, that was his solution to the situation because he couldn't double park, you know, the truck's huge, couldn't double park. But if he had something like this, he could just park it on the sidewalk. Theoretically, probably wouldn't get stolen. You know, there's probably some sort of security on there and uh, you can save money and parking tickets as well. Yeah. I mean, these things, like it makes so much sense. And to me, the funny thing is that they just aren't more common in the U S like I, I was just in Iceland last week and we were staying in an Airbnb and the male guy rolled up in basically something like this, that was a little more scooter styled and like delivered the mail and rode off. And it was just like a normal Tuesday, but here, you know, we, we have these gigantic mail trucks that go around on short little urban routes, and it, it makes no sense. So to to see these smaller mail vehicles becoming at least uh, test vehicles and hopefully succeeding to make it into the fleet, I think is really promising. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, the other side of Electric talks about the, uh, the, the big controversy over the mail trucks going to this uh, Oshkosh and only 10% being Electric. So more of these would be great. Yeah, it's it's part of the, I would say, like the male ecosystem, right? Like the right. right type of vehicles in the right places. Yep. All right, moving on. Uh, I don't know if this is the right pronunciation. Fucare, a new 20-mile-per-hour seated electric scooter, is a low-cost option for comfortable riding. I love this thing. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's how I pronounce it. I, I, until someone tells me differently, I'm going with Fucare. So, okay. uh yeah, Fucare, they've got a number of different interesting electric mobility options. So we've looked at some of their bikes before. This is a scooter that it it starts out like a normal standing kick scooter. You think something like Bird, Lime, Xiaomi, that sort of thing. But it also comes with a seat that you can add to the base. And it actually looks like a pretty decent seat, not like one of these like DIY hacked together things. And so it, it turns it into what looks like a pretty effective seated scooter Yet it's still uh, fairly light. I think it's like uh, 50 pounds or so. So, you know, not as light as like a typical Xiaomi scooter, but certainly lighter than a Vespa. You know, you could, take it, you could pick it up and put it in the trunk of your car if you needed to, and you can even still 
fold down the handlebars. But for anyone who doesn't feel as comfortable standing on a scooter and going 20 miles per hour, which is, you know, a normal human thing to feel because it's yeah, a bit I was odd. Say, I'm in there. I'm in that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's reasonable, you know, riding along on wheels, the size of a salad plate at 20 miles an hour. Yeah. So you know, you have you... the control, you know, with the, between your legs, you have like more control of the, the, the vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like a sort of native bike feel, right. That people just essentially feel more stable on a bicycle type vehicle. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's the same touch points as, as like a Vespa scooter when you, you know, maybe not exactly the, the proportions, but like it's a lot more like something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, for, for so many people that just feel more comfortable being lowered to the ground and not feeling like you're, you know, standing on a very small platform, that this is just going to be a, a much more comfortable and, and stable way to ride. And I think people will be able to ride faster because they'll feel safer in that way. Not that, you know, you should ride faster than, than is safe for your area. But I know a lot of times people on standing scooters don't push them to, you know, even their like 15 mile an hour limit, just because it feels so weird to be standing on a little patch while flying along with the the ground, like inches beneath your feet. So everything else stays the same here, but just sitting down makes that a lot more comfortable. And uh, I got to look up the price here because I forget. Ah, Here it is. $799. That's a good price. Yeah, I mean, if you're comparing it to most seated electric scooters, it's it's definitely much lower. It's a bit higher than like a GoTrack scooter or something that would be a standing scooter, but it also has a higher power. I think it's 500 watts. It goes faster at 20 miles an hour. So it's a nice sort of mid-power electric scooter, I'd say. And then that seating option is just super cool, in my opinion. Yeah, so how does that seating option, like, is it like four screws or how do, how do you get that thing on and off and... Can you store it or how does it work? Yeah. So usually they're bolted on. I couldn't actually determine it from here because it's a new product and they didn't show how it's connected, but they do show both the on and off method. Actually, I think in the top photo there, the gray scooter doesn't have its seat. So usually these are bolted on, just like you said, you know, four bolts in a square pattern, but uh, they're going to be sending one out once they have them uh, available in the U.S. So we'll be able to test it and then we'll, we'll know for sure how it connects. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they could like fold it back, you know, behind the wheel or something. I don't know if that would be great overall, but um, the mechanism for getting that thing on and off is going to be a big part of it. Is there any storage in the seat? It looks like there could be something there. I don't think there's any storage. Um, that, that would be a great idea, definitely, to have just like a little glove box there. But mm-hmm. uh, they haven't mentioned anything about having it accessible. It might be, you know, full thickness foam there and then perhaps you're not left with too much storage. Yeah. And then, so the, uh, I'm pretty sure the hand, the handlebars fold down so you can get this in a, the back of a trunk of a car or whatever. Yeah, definitely. So even with the seat there, you know, they fold almost sort of flat parallel along with the deck. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great package, uh, you know, for 800 bucks and you're, you're going 20 miles per hour around town and it can fit in your trunk. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. I, I'd ride it, especially yep. if I, you know, want to sit instead of stand. Right. But you do have the standing option. All right. There you go. Moving on. Energica unveils Xperia electric motorcycle. It's new long range green tourer, fast charging included. So this is the newest model from uh, the Italian electric motorcycle company, Energica. 
which I pronounced Energica until like a month ago when I finally heard it spoken the correct way from actual Italians. But uh, which is this is this uh, Energica apparently. Energica, okay. Yes, yes. Um, I can't believe how long I was saying it wrong, but it happens when you read words instead of hearing them. Right. So uh, this is the fourth model from the company, and this is designed as their touring model. So it's got their huge battery on it. It's uh, 22 and a half kilowatt hours uh, at its peak, but the usable is something like 19 or so uh, that you can actually pull out of it. But still, you know, that's much larger than uh, anything we've seen so far from Zero or, or Harley. So it's definitely a big battery. Uh, in terms of range, that works its way out to about 130 highway miles, or if you're in the city, about twice that. So about 260 miles in the city, uh, or that's uh, 420 kilometers in the city or 209 kilometers on the highway. So, you know, still not like ride all day on one charge range, but 130 miles is, is going to get you, you know, a, a couple of, uh, a couple of hours if you're doing reasonable speeds, right? So, you know, if you're sticking to like 65, 70 miles an hour, that sort of thing. And every couple of hours, people are going to want to get off and stretch their legs. Anyways, I know I don't ride for more than a couple hours at a time. I'm not trying to set any records. Right. And because it has uh, level three DC fast charging, you can pull off for, you know, a half hour sandwich break and you can get like 80, 85% of your charge back into it. So, you know, again, like we're not quite at a five minute gas fill up here, but if you can, you know, stretch your legs for 30 minutes and get almost recharged, that's pretty good in my bike, my book, my bike. Mm. <laughs> um, and then of course, you know, there's level one and level two charging as well. If you just want to charge on like a public charger or overnight at home, which of course is how most people are going to charge these that aren't actively going on thousand mile road trips. Uh, in terms of speed, I think it's something like a little over 100 miles an hour. Um, you know, not the fastest bike. Uh, it's 112 miles an hour. There it is. So uh, not the fastest bike that Energica has made. You know, they're really known for their 125 to 150 mile an hour racing bikes. But again, you know, this is a touring bike. This is for someone that wants to enjoy reasonable speeds on the highways. So I don't think 112 miles an hour is going to hold anybody back too much. Now, the, the main thing that we don't know yet is the price. We're still waiting to find out. But most of Energica's bikes are around $20,000. So we would expect this to fall in that neighborhood. So this this bike would be kind of the cannonball run champion of electric bikes at this point, right? It's got range, fast charging. Yeah, and it would probably be more comfortable too because it just looks like a little bit more of a, a comfort style, you know, legs a, a little more forward, bars a little higher, that sort of thing. So I think if anyone wants to go out and try to take Stephen Day's cannonball run record, which was also set on an Energica, but this would probably be the bike to do it. I agree. He's probably somewhere in between LA and New York <laughs> at, the, at this very moment. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's got to get the newest record right away. Yeah. Um, I, I can see it. Um, and you said it charges at level two speeds. Um, it has like an inverter built in that can handle level two, or is it kind of, you know? Um, so I'm not sure what the level two speed is that it charges charges at, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it does have it built in. Um, that, that's good I because say... I think the Harley only does level one and level three, right? Yes. Um, you can plug in at a level two station, but it will charge at like level one speed, a thousand watts. Yeah. Right. Something like that. 
Yeah, because you know yeah. the, the, you basically have the inverter, so you're schlepping the inverter around with you everywhere, and th- that's I don't know that I don't know if that makes a ton of sense, but I guess with this kind of bike, it does. Yeah, I mean it's it's designed for touring. Uh, spe- I mean, not specifically. That's you know what it can do, but this is probably going to get more uses. Someone's like you know everyday bike and the ability to go touring on it. But, um, you know, having that much battery and the, the ability to level two or level three charge, it just, it opens so many doors and it answers that argument that we always hear that like, oh, you know, I can't ride far. I can't charge fast. Well, now you can do both. Right. All right. Uh, zero fun in the comments says three kilowatt level two charging on it. I have mine on order so I can break my cannonball record. Might also have to change your, uh, screen name. But the th- three kilowatts is about at level two, so two forty. That's about uh, shoot, can't do math on the fly. Four times three, twelve. So like twelve amps. Yeah, that's not bad at two forty. Yeah, I think Steven started with zeros before switching over to Energica. So yeah, I think that Makes handle sense. stuck with him. Oh, is that him? <laughs> yeah, I, I okay. think that's Steven, right? He'll, he'll let us know real quick. Okay. Cool. Well, welcome aboard. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, great bike. Uh, can't wait to see uh, some new records being set here. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Moving on. Uh, world's first. So we're moving on from two-wheeled things to no-wheeled things here. Uh, <laughs> world, world's first flying electric taxi boat, the Candela. Is that pronounced right? I think so. Okay. <laughs> P8 Voyager unveiled in Venice. Candela is of all the companies that don't have wheels is like my favorite EV company right now. <laughs> they build the, the coolest electric boats because these things literally fly over the water. They have hydrofoils, which basically do in water what uh, an airfoil does in air, which is create lift. And so the whole boat lifts out of the water and flies like almost a meter, like two, two and a half feet above the waves. And so uh, not only does that make the ride much smoother, but it's also super efficient because you're not pushing all that water out of the way. So they have a sort of relatively small, I think it's like 50 kilowatt hour battery that can go for several hours on the water because it just operates so much more efficiently. And so while they've started with basically, you know, private passenger speedboats, they're moving towards uh, more commercial boats as well. And the P8 is their water taxi that, has that cool sort of enclosed cabin back there. So you can, um, you know, put your fares back there. They're in like a nice little luxury cabin. And in places like Venice, where, you know, you're you're seeing a lot of commercial water traffic, uh, not so much in the canals, but, uh, you know, uh, outside of the canals more, or especially in uh, Stockholm, where uh, Candela's from in Sweden, you know, the archipelago there, you've got a lot of commercial water traffic, water taxis, and I mean, I think all over the world, there, there are places that this type of boat would work well. And not only is it going to give you that nice, smoother ride and use less energy, but it's just going to be a, a nicer experience for passengers. You know, they're not inhaling the fumes. You're not hearing the noise of a motor. And it's just uh, like a much more elegant solution that I would love to see a lot of these commercial uh, maritime companies that do this type of, uh, you know, passenger traffic convert to. Uh, And then the other cool thing about this boat is the motor that they're using. 
They developed it in-house. It's called the C-Pod, and it's actually two very long, narrow motors that counter-rotate propellers along the same shaft. And so not only is the boat quieter because it uses an electric motor, but the entire motor itself is under the water, so you don't even hear it like you do on the, the older Candela boats, like the C7 that I was able to test ride. You could hear the motor a bit because it's you know up where like a normal outboard is. Here with these new motors, it's all submerged and it's basically silent. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, one other thing about I don't I don't know if you mentioned it, but um, you don't get nearly as seasick on these things as you do on a typical boat, um, which for me is a huge deal. Uh, I used to take the uh, hydrofoil from Hong Kong to. Um, uh, I can't remember the name of that place, but um, it's, you know, across the the water bay. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go on a boat. But this thing was just, it was just like a jet that flew across the uh, the water and it was super smooth. Um, so the fact that these are available for mere mortals and, and taxis is, is awesome. It's going to change, going to change the game, really. I can imagine yeah, these like in, in Paris and all these other like urban areas. Yeah, absolutely. I was on a ferry uh, two weeks ago and there were these like really long sea swells. It was a super windy day and not to get into too many details, but uh, I didn't get to keep my breakfast that day. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to seeing more of more of these types of hydrofoil boats. And from what I can tell, Candela is the company that's going to make it happen because I don't see anyone else nearly as um, you know, far along in the process of actually getting these boats in the water. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking Hong Kong to Macau. Uh, finally it entered my brain a minute later, but that that's a great ride. Um, I think there's another opportunity in like the, uh, long beach to Catalina Island. Um, I think there's a, uh, catamaran that does it now, but it could go much faster. I, I think, I don't know. Did they tell you what kind of wave threshold this thing could deal with? I think it's a meter and a half on this newest model. The the C7 I did, it was less than a meter. It was like, uh, I think it was like two feet. So a meter and a half would be like five feet that they can handle. Yeah. So uh, definitely on the more calm days, you could take this on ocean going trips. But uh, great, great product. Uh, I, I personally can't wait to try one. I think uh, it's going to change going to change uh, sea life in places like Stockholm and, and other cities. Make it much yeah, better. absolutely. The, the faster they can get out there, the better. All right. Uh, moving on the awesomely weird Alibaba electric vehicle of the week last week, uh, the $500 three wheeled electric motorcycle. And I remember three wheelers being super dangerous, but this one looks slightly less super dangerous. <laughs> yeah, well, if um, the center of gravity helps, then it's got lead-acid batteries about as low as you can possibly get to the ground. So it should have pretty good rollover for a tricycle, I'll say. Um, but this is, if anyone's not familiar with the awesomely weird Alibaba electric vehicle of the week, it's sort of a fun tongue-in-cheek column that we run each weekend where we find these fun uh, sort of oddball electric vehicles on China's big uh, shopping website. So the trike here is sort of outfitted as like a police trike, I guess. I mean, it only goes 25 miles an hour, so you're not going to be in any high-speed pursuits. But essentially, it's sort of the um, that 
outlawed three-wheeled ATV design that we don't have in the U.S. anymore, but uh, all electric. And it's got a sort of weird banana seat that actually has a second hump there for a second rider. So if you want to you know, have someone join you on this nightmare, then that would be <laughs> a, uh, a fun sort of bonding experience, I That's guess. A, a but, second victim. Yeah. I mean, it does have rear suspension. It doesn't look like super nice, but it's there. So, you know, between front and rear suspension and those giant tires with, uh, you know, you can keep those pretty low, low pressure. And this actually looks like a, a pretty fun ride as long as you can keep all three wheels on the ground, or at least for, you know, long periods of time, getting one wheel up might be kind of fun. Yeah. I don't know how I would feel about turns with this thing. I'd probably want to take those pretty slow. Uh, yeah, fair enough. But, but it does look like fun. I mean, especially for as shown here in the beach, um, that that seems like a fun situation and the price obviously is is uh, where it's supposed to be is this a typical uh alibaba thing where it it's five hundred dollars and then you got to get it from china to wherever you are yeah yeah for sure so it's like five hundred dollars and then shipping is a mystery and port fees are a mystery and then they're like oh did you want batteries and tires well that's you know an extra so don't don't expect to get this in your garage for five hundred but uh, probably sub 2000, you could get it in your garage. This picture I'm looking at here, does this, is this like a siren or is this not connected to the bike? This uh, pole thing in the back? Yeah, so I think that's um, in their police version, like a, oh, a police a light. Police version of, oh, yes. And this has uh, red and blue front lights as well. Uh, yeah. So the, the cops could be riding these around your town uh, someday, probably never, but. Uh, Interesting, interesting idea there. Yeah, I, um, the the police sort of concept here is is where I told uh, our graphic artist uh, Michael Bauer to try and get me like a chips helmet or something, right. so I could be like a highway patrol. Uh, and we got we got most of the way there, I think. So if you want to live out your chips fantasy, I think he mixed but, uh, uh, Evil Knievel in there with the uh, <laughs> the hat. <laughs> <laughs> a little something for everyone, I think. Right, right. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Our, all right, uh, that is all the stories for today, but I'm going to jump through the comments here because we had quite a few. Um, let's see, Carlin in San Diego, or Carl in San Diego, thanks for clarifying how the charging works. It seemed impossible for them, so we're talking about the electric bike charging uh, installed on the West Coast Highway. It seemed impossible for them to standardize the charger connection. Do you know what the current limit is? I think you were sussing it out with the 2000 watt potential peak, uh, for the, for the AC circuit, but, yeah. uh, which I guess would be like a 20, 25 amp breaker. Yeah. 25 amp breaker, 20 amps at one, uh, hundred something volts. And you're probably going to lose some in the conversion to DC. So, uh, you'd, you'd be lucky to hit two kilowatts, which is, you know, pretty solid. Um, yeah. Yeah, even if you had a few friends that, you know, you brought like a six plug outlet and you guys all charged, I mean, a, like a 200 watt e-bike charger, you could plug several of those in. Yeah. And, you know, an hour you're not going to get fully charged on most bikes, but um, you'll get, you know, another couple, few miles off uh, added to your range. So, uh, and then of course he added, uh, we'll have to lock down our charger somehow. All right. Um, he adds, uh, I'm assuming Carl's a guy, uh, 
belts may be the future when we get to we get pedantic about life cycle assessment. Chains are complex and wear out too quickly if we use bikes for transportation. That's true. Um, I was surprised to learn that chains are still more efficient than belts. Um, what, like, do you know anything about that? I, I guess it's probably from the sort of action of the rubber stretching and expanding as it goes around that, that tight circle. There's probably, you know, some internal friction and you lose some energy there as opposed to the links in a chain. It's all very, you know, inelastic. So yeah. uh, that's my guess, but uh, I'm not sure exactly why, but I have seen that it's like a two, 3% difference in the efficiency with, with chains winning out. Yeah. I mean, it, for most people, it won't be noticeable and, and the soft and the, you know, the other advantages are going to outweigh the small uh, efficiency gain there. But it was just inter- yeah. interesting to me because, you know, I felt like a belt drive would be more efficient, but maybe it's those like little notches that keep keep it in line and, and keep it from slipping and stuff. Yeah. Like, especially for an electric bike. I mean, right. two to 3%, like you'll never notice that. You'll never notice. All right. Uh, Onderell says, Hey Micah, any long-term issues or downsides with your priority current? I'm stuck between it and their new ride one up prodigy. Those are both two interesting bikes that I know you love and was wondering how the unbranded motor compares to the name brand like Broza. So, uh, to answer the first question, no, no problem at all with the motor, but I wouldn't necessarily call the motor on the priority current unbranded. Um, it's, it's out there in enough places that I don't think they'll be angry at me for saying that it's a truck run motor because people have figured it out in forums all over the internet. And that's a motor that, uh, is also used by a number of other companies. The, um, PX cycle in, I think it's from a Seattle company uses it and the uh, electric X premium. It's a great motor. It's, you know, not, it doesn't have the the brand recognition of something like uh, a Broza motor, but uh, I, I think it's a, a very well-made motor. It's a little bit louder than a Broza. Um, you know, those, those German motors are, are very nicely engineered and pretty quiet. So uh, it's, it's not quite as nice, but I wouldn't worry, you know, about having reliability issues because it's a very well-made motor. I'll, I'll just add that I'm a huge Broza motor fan. Um, so uh, if the, if you're on the fence, I would lean toward Broza. Um, Harry Wild, uh, we're talking about the Luna Eclipse here. He says no fenders, no road racing or road racing seat versus a soft seat, no lights. That's true. There's no lights front or back, although it you know has reflectors and you know easy to put lights on. No hydraulic brakes. That's another true. No sail. So Harry Wild is not in the uh, Luna Eclipse fan club. Um, those are all valid points. If you want fenders, uh, there's a lot of options out there. I mean, I think even the, the electric XP has fenders, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's got uh, like built-in steel fenders. I'm pretty sure they're steel. Yeah. So uh, this is a very purpose-built light bike. Um, I agree. Uh lights would have been a benefit there. The road racing seat, actually, I, I have to uh, push back on. Um, I really enjoy pedaling this bike. And that was kind of my big, big takeaway is like, hey, this is a fat tire e-bike that actually you can pedal. I mean, you can even leave the motor off and, and get around fine on this bike. So I like the road racing seat. I mean, you know, for the price, you're not going to get a great seat, road racing, soft, whatever. If you don't like the seat, 
you know, go to Walmart and get a new seat. It, you know, it's not rocket science. Um, it's not expensive to change either. Um, the hydraulic brakes, another a good point. You're talking about a $1,400 bike, though. Uh, you know, hydraulic brakes and a belt drive on a $1,400 bike would be, I guess, a bridge too far. Um, so you want hydraulic brakes? You go get hydraulic brakes. Uh, you probably pay what, $500 or something. So uh, I agree with all your uh, criticisms, but, you know, it all comes back to, you know, making a $1,400 bike that you can pedal. Yeah, it's a balance. Yep. All right. Uh, we have some people from LinkedIn. Uh, hello from Austria. Hello from Nigeria. Same guy. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on there. All right. Carl's back. I like the postal bikes. No doubt that these bikes will work in many places and will remind everyone that micro mobility is the way to go. It's a great point. Definitely. Um, you know, you see the post office guy on a bike, then you're in a car. You're like, eh, maybe I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> All right. Uh, Greg Yon is another fender uh, guy. I guess fenders are very important to a lot of people. Uh, no fenders, no sale. And then we have uh, Jack Ripper, who's on the wrong podcast. Uh, he's saying Elon is just trying to scare off union organizers. The Starbucks union stuff scares the crap out of the greedy cow- coward. All right, uh, check back in on Friday uh, for that podcast. Uh, Ernest on LinkedIn is saying get, getting fit. That's great. Carl's back saying many routes are on foot or for postal, so this allows routes that are more spread out to go super low carbon. That's a good point. Uh, my old uh, house was uh, the post guy would just get out and just walk around, so I guess this would allow him to be in the you know on a seat more often so all right greg yon's back uh, amazon won't get them for deliveries they change routes with different drivers for same location plus amazon cuts depots after less than three years of operations hmm i think is that was that about the uh i assume that's for the deli- the usps bikes all right, uh, Harry Wild, eight hundred is a great price. We're talking, I think, about the uh, Fouquier twenty mile per hour seated scooter. Uh, that that's true. Uh, I think we're in full agreement there. My Segway Max G thirty P is nine hundred dollars. So how does that compare specs wise? Yeah, and that one doesn't have a seat. I don't think. Right. Um, so uh, I think the Max has a bit longer range. I think it's got like a 40 mile battery or something, but the speed I believe is either 20 or similar. Maybe Harry will let us know before the end here. Okay. Um, yeah. I wonder if like, maybe there's a business just making seats for scooters that are already out there, you know, just like I've seen aftermarket ones. Yeah. yeah. There some of them look a little iffy. I don't know if I'd want to go full speed on them, but I have yeah. seen some, um, you know, entrepreneurs getting creative and, and making aftermarket seats. Yeah. It wouldn't be hard to just do like a clamp, you know, like clamp it down and then, you know, you could have like a universal thing, kind of like how they were making a universal um, hoverboard go-karts. Yeah. Maybe that yeah, same, absolutely. same energy can go into there. All right. Uh, Wonderill having some more e-bike deliveries can also hopefully motivate municipalities to fix some of the awful bike infrastructure in cities too. Great point. Excellent. 
uh, Gans back. I was at Amazon Flex Driver for Philadelphia, visited eight depots in my 4.5 years. Amazon leases or sells van to contractors, so drivers are not Amazon employees for benefits. I think we might be sliding off topic a little bit there. Uh, Ernest from North Carolina is here. That's good to see. Um, all right, we got some advertising <laughs> in here. Uh, price came out 25,000 loaded. All right, so we're talking about Energica here. Zero Fun uh, joined us here. Um, oh, okay, so the price is out then. Yeah, so 25, it's you know not cheap, but Energica's bikes have never been cheap. So when you're talking about the longest range electric motorcycle, the 25 doesn't scare me, but it's not cheap. And then here we see 22 for the base model. So that's again, like right in line with all of Energica's pricing. Yeah, that's great. All right. Supposedly can CCS charge over and over at 24 kilowatts. Okay. So that's pretty good. Um, you know, you have a smaller battery pack versus a car. So 24 kilowatts is going to be kind of throttling every single battery in that pack. That, but uh, that's good to see. And then we've heard about the three kilowatt level two charging, which is great. And then, of course, we have the Tesla fan. Uh, Tesla is working on motorcycles and e-bikes. Just wait. Um, we we did have Elon Musk say he would never do a motorcycle because they're too dangerous. So yeah, I believe it when I see it. But he did ma- mention a bike. I think they've got their hands full, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right. Uh, he started on a zero seven years ago. That's why zero fun and uh, the Energica rider. Uh, no emotives from Tesla as long as Elon is ahead. All right. Uh, we have a Tunisian guest, Morad. Welcome. Uh, Elon rode motorcycles when he was poor, so he knows motorcycles. Uh, Greg Jan, Macau or Kowloon. Uh, later on, I clarified uh, Macau to Hong Kong was the, the trip, although there I think there is a Kowloon uh, to uh, Hong Kong Island ferry as well. Yep. All right. Back at Elon again. Uh, Carl in San Diego, the diesel fumes from the Catalina ferry make everyone super sick. Yeah, I, I agree. Like just in, in general, like if you're at a boatyard and those, you know, diesel motors are idling, it's just disgusting to be there, like both for the water cleanliness and the air. So we're really looking forward to Candela and others getting in there. All right. We've got a lot of Elon talk. All right. Carl in San Diego's back. Trikes like to roll when your two wheels are in the rear. This is why tadpole recumbent tricycles dominate. I think, uh, I think we agree with that, Micah. Is that? Yeah. The, the, the physics is sound. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I remember seeing, a uh, Jeremy Clarkson on a, tr- uh, do a funny video where he's like rolling a, a, a three wheeled car with the two wheels in the back quite oh a gosh. bit. And that was probably the last time I ever thought that I would have a vehicle with two wheels in the back. <laughs> um, Joe, the Bill says, uh, reminds me of a 70 CC trike. I would, what do we remember even the wattage on that thing? It was, I think one and a half kilowatts, if I'm not mistaken. So about right. two horsepower. Okay. So something like maybe 50 CCs. They are usable and flip easily. Self 
driving motorcycle will make it a matrix-like ride. All right, we're getting a little bit wild here. Um, belts are more efficient over 200 watts, so great for e-bikes. Higher base friction but doesn't stretch like chains, which make a chain become less efficient the more power applied. Well, that's interesting. Did you know that? Or I you- wasn't aware. I'll definitely want to look more into that because that is a, an interesting thing to consider. Yeah, I mean, even if it kind of went to parity, I think that would be enough, really. For sure. Um, yesterday was World Bicycle Day. I hope you guys keep working in HOW. We get or how we get better mode shift to bicycles instead of higher impact EVs. Other countries get this, but we're not there yet. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and I think that's our last comment. Oh, there's one more. Uh, what are your thoughts about solid state battery? Micah, do you have any thoughts there? Uh, I mean, in terms of small vehicles like, uh, you know, e-bikes and micromobility, I think it's going to totally change the game. I know um, GoGro is working on it for electric scooters. And if if we get there in the next few years, that'll be great. I don't see any huge progress being made. But once you can take a very small battery for something like an e-bike and get you know, a hundred miles of range or something out of it, then you can really start scaling up, you know, more speed, more power, that sort of thing, and not be limited by what are becoming these giant, like, you know, juiced bikes style, one kilowatt hour batteries that are 20 or maybe the juiced are more like 12 pounds, but you know, some of these can get up to be, be pretty heavy. Yeah. And, and one last one, I'd really, or Ray living good says, I'd like to see, a video of Micah testing out the new Voro Motors Roadrunner Tronic. Tronic. Uh, so I tested the Voro Motors Roadrunner, which was like a hilarious little seated scooter. Uh, is Tronic like a new version? I might have to do a little research. I didn't know if there's another one. Yeah. Okay, I, well, I did test out the, the base model, which was super fun and also pretty funny. So you can check that either on YouTube or Electric if you Google Electric. Four Motors Roadrunner. I'm sure it'll pop up first thing. Cool. So that's it. Um, I'd like to plug uh, Pedigo uh, is having an event in my town, uh, Croton Hudson, New York. Um, they're having a, a ride tomorrow at 11 o'clock. If anybody's listening from the Westchester, New York area, please come out and join us. We're going to ride to the Croton Dam and back. So uh, we'd love to see people out um, if you're around. But that's all from us. Oh, that's awesome. I would attend if I could. But uh, on that note, uh, I think we'll uh, call this the end of this podcast. We thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you back in two weeks for the next edition of the Wheelie Podcast. Take care, everyone.